Welcome! You're listening to Ron Swanson versus Dwight K. Schrute. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Swanson versus Schrute podcast, episode five. No yet direct mention of Ron Swanson versus Dwight K. Schrute. It's coming. You gotta wait. It's coming. But Zach Weiss here with you, joined as always by my co-host, Ryer Smith. How are we doing on my second podcast of the day? So I'm grinding today. Let's right. go. You recorded how many episodes of the recap so far? Uh, it'll be episode three coming out tonight. Episode three. Let's go. It's on, it's on the move. Folks, you have not yet checked it out. Check out Ryer's other podcast where he is the lead host, the recap talking about hockey and all that's happening. And I, don't, I haven't watched a lot of hockey, but find out more about why the Islanders are dominating. But in my... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about the Islanders here, Zach. That's not what I'm here to talk about. That's right. After what happens, my uh, hockey has been interesting. But yeah. the, you notice the voice I use to talk about the Islanders, the Islanders, who are doing very well, takes us to our first subject of the day. I think he's the greatest host since Ron Burgundy. Heard happily. Really? He's your number one host in the show, huh? He's yeah. my sorry, Joan. Joan is no not love back to Joan. Me. Or and I'm sure and oh yeah, oh, what's his name? Uh Jerry Murbles. Derry Murbles. I mean he's up there. Cause just because yeah. the sound of his voice, but dude, heard happily, the guy that is talking with a voice like this, who's going to say yeah. words or advertisements. <laughs> he's just <laughs> too great. Yeah, he is good. The way he talks is hilarious every time. Uh, they obviously don't use them. They use them sparingly, which I think is good. But yeah, every time he gets on and does the uh, his form of talking, I don't even know what you call it. His <laughs> broadcasting is a little off, but it's unique, you know, so it's his uh, calling card and uh, it gets a laugh for me pretty much every time. And Ryer, I don't have a ton of examples, obviously. I mean, there's the interviews he, he did with Sweetums o- over the course of the show when he had Leslie on, when Ron was on, when, uh, you know, there, there's so many things to look at. And we were talking about uh, the Harvest Festival on our, on our la- last week's episode and, and his interview uh, with the weird uh, – I was Joan. But anyway, Heard Happily, for those that don't know, and Ryer, I'll get to you, I'll get to you in a sec, takes words on a teleprompter flips them and all he all he says he says the obvious while making it sound like it's not the obvious using a tone that sounds like he's enunciating every single word yeah he's it's like he's reporting on the words he's saying but other the things in between he has no idea what's going on like he it's almost like he's interviewing someone and doesn't listen to a single response he's just He's thinking about how he's going to formulate the next sentence to sound ridiculous. And you know what's funny, Ryer, is he's played by Jay Jackson, who I haven't read the article yet, but, you know, he was a real reporter. The actor was a real reporter for 22 years before stumbling on this role. So he had an actual 22 years of experience in the anchoring realm. Wow, I did not know that. That's probably why he's so good at screwing it up, because he knows what would be uh, bad on an actual broadcast. All right, so I'm going to – we're going to play – I'm going to play about – right, I have a clip. I'm going to play about 25 seconds worth of Pert Happily to take us into our next part of his discussion before moving on to the next topic. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
Heard Happily. Soon as it slows. Oh, no. So 4 a.m. and I'm Heard Happily of Channel 4 Eyewitness News. And the story of this next dance is that it's called The Worm. Tell <laughs> what you're going to get to. Now, the statement that this reporter has is a question. Will that be enough to lift the curse? The thing about this first question is, I'd like to ask you about the Harvest Festival. But this is where the controversy of this story is even more controversial. You are the subject of this painting, half woman, half horse, with what some would say are human breasts. Leslie. <laughs> I mean, he's just, Ryer, obviously, there, there's only one Pert Happily, but obviously, you know, I'm, I'm always out recording something new. I wish I had the, the journalistic approach of Pert Happily and his style. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if you've heard it, but you mentioned Ron Burgundy earlier. He does his own podcast where he, he play where Will Ferrell plays Ron Burgundy and interviews people. I think Perry Havley could probably do his own podcast where he just has on legit guests, but ask questions in that form for a good half hour, 45 minutes. And I would definitely listen to that. Yes, yeah, I did not know about this Ron Burgundy podcast, and I wish I knew before, but I, I think that that's something to de definitely check out. And, I mean, can you imagine, though, Ryer, if well, we go – it's like a San Diego Pawnee crossover of a Ron Burgundy interviewing Perd Happily and Perd turning every answer into an awkward question. Yeah, I think Ron Burgundy would probably, like, fight him at some point. <laughs> I don't know how well that would go. And I just, I'd love to see if they actually did have said fight. Is Ron going to be reading his reactions off the teleprompter? Or is he going to try and think for himself? Which is something I don't think either one of them has actually done as reporters, which I think is what makes their dominance in their respective areas so unique. Well, you see, we've seen Ron Burgundy get into a deadly battle before. And fend, fend for himself pretty well. I think he's going to have the advantage because Perd is just going to telegraph everything he's about to do. He's going to be like, and the story here is I'm about to punch you. <laughs> I mean, quick dodge by Ron Burgundy and it's over. Ah, but see, on a closing note, Ryer, he's going to say that. And Ron Burgundy in the heat of battle is going to look straight ahead at the camera and say, where is my teleprompter? as the punch lands on his face. So oh, I, I think right. it's a great unknown. All right, so we're, we're at odds here, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too, as we're, we're gonna, we transition into the telethon, which is the third to last episode of season two, which is the beginning of the end of Mark Brandanowitz. A lot of things to talk about here. And the episode starts off as normal. They, have, they bring a dog in in the beginning. They make a joke about Lassie where they had the dog. Ron didn't want it. The dog starts looking Ron's a cute little puppy and he's looking his mustache and he's like, take it outside. And we don't need to say what it is. Obviously it's playful. It's a joke. So that's how that was the, the cold open. Then the episode starts and they got to get $20,000 in donations for an all night telethon. Some of the storylines developing relationship of Andy and April, the, apparently decaying relationship of Mark and Ann, which we didn't know much about, really. We, they seem to be good. 
Mark seems to be kind of improving as an individual, but he's still the same old guy. You have Detlef Shrimp flying in for this. I don't know what, what airport is closest to Pawnee, but wherever it is, he was there as uh, Tom picked him up and chauffeured him as Tommy Timberlake. You have some inside jokes. And so, Rye, where should we start with this uh, telethon? There's a lot to digest. Yeah, I think we can probably work backwards from there. Start with Detlef. So, yeah. Um, he goes to pick him up and then immediately takes him to the snake hole lounge as that is also decaying uh, and is trying to save it by having a local celebrity in the house, which, you know, seems to be working out, but then he's screwing over Leslie, uh, which is kind of the in-between of the whole show is they're trying to just fill in time because Detlef was supposed to be there hours ago or whatever it is. Yep. And so it's you know one of those things where we see this a lot with Tom where he makes a desperate attempt to save his business and it really strains his relationship with his friends and then at the end of the day he has to apologize and realize that you know his friends are the only thing that's keeping him going and really getting out him out of these tight spots and I like Rara that you take a more serious approach with Perhaps one of the most silly episodes we had on the show. Obviously, many important things are sprinkled in, as, as I mentioned at the outset of this topic. But, yeah, you look at Tom. He's getting drunk off. As Della Shrimp says, he had two beers. They were light. <laughs> he, he barely has anything, and, which is why you see what Snake Juice eventually does to Tom in that episode. I, two light beers. He was out like a light. Like a light, shout out Shrake. Um, yeah, and so when they do finally get to where they're going, uh, to the station where it was happening, uh, the telethon was happening, Detlef, 610 and all, was the one that had to drive. My favorite part with Detlef Shrimp Friars, not the fact that he donated $5,000, not the fact that he was hanging out at the Snake Hole Lounge, obviously bothered, but just chilling. Tom just starts spouting off facts, sixth man of the year, who he was traded for, his NBA career, his, his appearance on a German soap opera. And he's like, oh, so you, will, you, you must have checked Wikipedia. Nah, man, everyone knows that. And then it's like the soap opera. Oh, you're a big fan? Big fan. It's my favorite show. I mean, <laughs> that's, it's just – That is a great part, yeah. It's just Tom being Tom and a 6'10 – uh, German NBA player just getting to know what Tom Haverford is like for the first time before understanding he was going to have a long night at the Snake Hole Lounge. I'm surprised he didn't try and get up and leave. There was no manhunt to find Detlef Shrimp. I'm surprised that he, that he stayed and did that because, I mean, I know he was just trying to help, but what incentive did Detlef Shrimp have for going to a local you know, bar and just hanging out while his pal got drunk? I don't see his incentive. Yeah, I think he was just going with the flow. I think he was like, yeah, we're, I'm going to go do this telethon and whatever happens, happens. And yeah, he was cool, calm, and collect the whole time. Yeah, that is Detlef Shrimp. My biggest disappointment with the show is you don't get Larry Bird on, but I mean, Detlef Shrimp, who you, you, you can find an NBA 2K today by playing as the old Seattle Supersonics as. Tom Haverford also reminds you in this episode that he played for the Supersonics, two-time sixth man of the year, 
Detlef Shrimp. So from Detlef Shrimp, right at, before his arrival, when they're trying to spice things up, uh, you know, Leslie was encouraging Mark to rush the proposal. He had thoughts about the proposal. And kind of like what we learned on The Office when we talked with John Stewart last week, you got to time these things, if anything. So he's ready to propose. Well, it turns out Ann Perkins doesn't even like him anymore. So th there's this awkward dynamic. Although, Ryer, it's funny, the two of them never talk in this episode. You can kind of uh, tell that both of them have very different understanding of where, they, of where they're at as a, as a couple. Yeah, for sure. And I would have been curious to see what would have actually happened in that episode if Mark Brandanowitz was not leaving the show. I'm assuming that's why that was there. Right out was, you know, crush his heart so he wants to leave Pawnee um, or leave that job anyways. I, I would assume he left Pawnee. I don't know why he wouldn't still be friends with him if he didn't. But yeah, they're completely not on the same page. Anne is looking for something else, uh, which she tends to always be doing. So, yeah, it was, it was uh, a good way to, you know, write him off the show. Uh, it was painful to watch and awkward, as things usually are on the show. But it was pretty funny. I agree, Ryan. But one, one more look at Mark. And obviously, he, his, his exit was to, was to be expected, but still controversial. It's very rare. That a character is on, unless something happens to them off the show, whether it's legally or, or something else, and he just can't come back. He appears on the first 30 episodes, his name doesn't even get floated around a single time. There's no hint he was ever there, left off the reunion. But you kind of feel for him in, in a way. He's somebody that, and you, you hear him talk to himself early. I saw this at the end of season one. It's like, you know, middle age, he's in his 30s, guy prides, pride, prides himself on his looks, doesn't have a girlfriend, he's single, he's wondering what, what to do, and ends up going out with Anne, unsuccessfully hits on her at the end of season one, then at the second episode of season two with Leslie's permission. I think Anne asks him out, but, you know, he was a good guy when you look at it. He just wanted to help his parting gift for Leslie, you know, the blueprint, get the pit together, and... You know, him and Leslie, people forget how close they were. And you just, they're always having lunch. Mark's having his sandwich, which really it's a small thing, but I thought it was like a big part of the show, the lunch breaks in the courtyard. And you really, I just really feel for him. You know, it didn't work out with Ann. Then he just goes, you don't hear about him again. I think he was close with Leslie. I mean, I think Tom always liked hanging out with him. And just to see a guy written off like that, expectedly, I, I just feel bad for him. It didn't work out with Ann. And as a result for him and Pawnee. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. He for sure had a strong relationship with Leslie. And you saw that, like you said, and I think those little things like the lunch were the telling things because you don't really see that the rest of, I mean, they have lunch, you know, she has lunch with Anne and things like that, but that's basically it. She has lunch with Anne and Ben. Like, she doesn't have, you know what I mean? So you can tell that's an important thing to her and uh, to them. So yeah, it was it was a sad ending. Um, I think he definitely could have stayed on. Like I said before, I think uh, Chris Traeger and Ben are better. But if they could have supplemented them, I'm, I'm sure that would have worked out as well. Yeah, and no, they could have found a way. You know, maybe a guest appearance. Leslie goes to visit him. And then 
You know, I would have loved to see maybe, not really. Eh, no, never mind. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna put this out there. I don't think it's worth it. But there's two other things in this episode. There's the funny line. There's Ron being Ron. First off, I think it was four in the morning. He's out there just stringing a new chair <laughs> to try to keep things going. The most boring TV segment of all time. <laughs> No, no question about it. And I mean, he was loving it. The funny thing is, Ron, in a way, is kind of like Barney from accounting, who somehow his jokes appealed to Andy when he made the joke about the QuickBooks, basically just ma- talking about uh, how to manage looking at expenses. But I think he's one of the most, we're going to have a segment on him, folks. Don't worry, a Barney segment. And then, a, Ted, Ted, you have to hear this joke when that line comes in, when, when every time that Ben goes to work there, there's several times, not a spoiler. I mean, it's expected when he comes on the show that he's going to explore different avenues because he's unhappy with the job he has, as most characters are at some point. A character, if there's an arch to a character, chances are they're unhappy with their job at least once over the course of the show and try and explore a new one, which, again, it, it's to be expected, not a spoiler. But... Ron was just incredible. And my favorite part of this, though, Ryer, is Ron sleeping. You don't want to wake up an angry Ron Swanson. Leslie does. And he starts punching the ears like, whoa, Ron, Ron, what's going on? You having a bad dream? He's like, no, I'm go- I was sleep fighting. It's only a bad dream if I'm losing. <laughs> yeah, that's – I would agree with you. That's probably got to be one of the funniest moments in that episode I think other than the whole Tom and Detlef dynamic that's the funniest like one-liner there he's just lying on the couch you know unsuspecting and so Ron Swanson to his dreams his good dreams are him battling uh, against other people (laughs) yeah Ron Swanson is playing Mortal Kombat in his sleep and He's got everything but the finishing move because on a show that's rated TVPG, I don't ever anticipate seeing one of Ron's finishing moves. I'm sure it involves mustache wax and uh, and a chair and a sewing kit. And he it's mustache of death or something. So is the guy into the chair. So is the guy into the chair and then uses the mustache wax to create, to create an inflatable log cabin and they just uh, – I don't know, but it's just great. Uh, last note on this episode, something we see, and we talked about this at Harvest Festival and it was still working out, is Andy and April, again, things are always so subtle. The thing the office does more than Parks and Rec is be very subtle about things, ignores it for a few episodes, then it builds. Uh, April's on the phone. She's on the lines trying to get people to donate. She's talking to Joe from Sewage, who looks like a tall, lanky version of Luke Wilson to me every time I see him. <laughs> And, I always, and I'm always like, oh, that's not Luke Wilson. Why is it like Luke Wilson? Because it brings me back to that 70s show and his awkward time dating Donna. But that, that's, that's for another time. It's got to be the most, one of the most awkward relationships I've ever seen. He's probably 10 or 15 years older anyway. I mean, I, it was creepy to <laughs> anything. But Andy steps in, tells the guy off. And you could tell April, who's just this. Never really shows how she's feeling. It's going to blah about everything. Starts to really come around. Because there was this weird love triangle where Anne kind of cared for Andy, obviously not dating him. Andy tried to find out from Mark about Anne. And April's just kind of thrown in the middle. But I think this finally shows Andy's moved on. Things might work out. 
and there's no more awkwardness between Andy and April. Andy and – and D and Ann. The names are way too similar. Why are they all A names? Uh, yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. It's definitely a turning point there where you see he is finally moving on because we saw it a little bit and then um, it went back and then – but yeah, definitely a turning point. Uh, and those two are, you know, budding relationship that obviously takes off and is one of my favorite parts of the show, uh, favorite dynamics in the show. It's whoever's call that was to break him up with Ann and pair him with April. Uh, that was a great call. Yeah, absolutely. And so that takes us on to our third topic of the day, Ryer. I think this is pretty straightforward. You're married to somebody in real life. You, they make an appearance on the show. You're together with them on the show. It's probably not going to work out very well. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> you got to have them on and get them off because uh, they're not a, the mainstay character. So, um, yeah, those quick hits like with Ron and um, you said Leslie as well. Yep, although I, I did make an error, by the way, mini error in regard to Tammy, who's played by Megan Mullally. She was not Grace, apparently. I had that wrong. Or I read something that whatever I said was, was incorrect, so I accept the fact that that was incorrect. Yeah, Ron had the on-off with one of the Tammies. I don't remember which was Tammy 1. and It gets – wait, Tammy 2 is the librarian that, that comes in first, right? Yes. Tammy doesn't keep her pants. The, the Meredith, basically. Yes, correct. Okay. So that being, yeah, that, that was obviously didn't work out, from, but obviously they, they knew how to act with each other on scene or yeah, on camera because they have a real relationship. But yeah, so we're going to start with The Office real quick and then come to Parks and Rec. So we talked about the Diwali episode, which was the end, last time, which was the end of the union of Michael and his real wife, Nancy Carell, played plays carol on this show a tall blondes that michael clearly has an affinity for pretty quickly after his odd relationship with his superior jan doesn't work out the first person he really goes out with on the show lasted a while really if you look at it but it was a very interesting dynamic because real life she helped him sell him his condo which everyone michael scott meets on the office that he is involved with romantically happens in a weird way. Met somebody at a wedding. He met somebody when he got thrown out of a bar. I mean, there's obviously Holly and a few others thrown in there briefly, but you, you look at this and I mean, what if it did work out though, right? What if somehow on the office, Michael ends up long-term with his actual wife? I, I think that would have been really interesting to see how the offs, screen life was if they're together on a show that's that popular for that long yeah I mean I've heard of a lot of relationships starting in within a show um you know what I mean main characters who obviously they spend a ton of time together filming and then they uh become in a relationship but I don't know too many long running ones like you said like appearances things like that uh i've probably seen one it's probably happened before but yeah that's an interesting dynamic for sure and curious if that's the reason why it's always so quick if it's just like honey i want you to be on the show she's like sure but i don't want to like 
move into your space, you know what I mean, type of deal. Yep. So it sounds like it could be a, a healthy relationship type thing where it's, uh, I see you enough at home, we don't want to get sick of each other. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, Michael and Carol did date for a good chunk of episodes. The, the number is they went on nine dates. So I would guess, you know, I'm just going to pull this up real quick. And in the meantime, Ryer, take the lead on this one. There's one episode, season two, it's called The Setup. As Leslie continues to pine for Justin, this awesome friend of Anne's that nobody seems to meet, that Tom wants to be, she goes out with a doctor named Chris, a surgeon, rather. And uh, what a weird night that was. Yeah, this is maybe the only character in the show that's worse and well, a worse guy than jam i mean he completely just dominates the date and is aggravated the whole time and then wants to give her an mri so he can look inside her like the creepiest thing other than like i don't even know what like some real weird uh serial podcast type stuff uh, but he does a great job at it. Will, not, Will Arnett's a, a great actor. Um, as we know, you seem to be a big fan of his uh, portrayal of a uh, horse. Um, yes. Bojack Horseman, so, uh, Horseman yep. Yeah. yeah, he's great. I mean, it works. I, yeah, I, I couldn't have done more than one episode of that character, though, with that. The MRI thing is what really gets me. Yeah, it was, you know, about, she was in seven episodes. She did appear in the final episode, actually, when they shown Selling a House. Nancy Carell, it turns out, has only been in 12 things. Not much. So it's cool. She was, a, well, she was a flight attendant at the beginning of Anger Management. That's, I did not remember that. I've seen that recently. 40-Year-Old Virgin. He was in that, obviously. Okay, so they did two things together. That's it. But, yeah, so Chris, yeah, he comes in. If I remember, he's talking a little bit about the future and other and what'll happen after that date. Yeah, he tries to see what she's like by taking her for a ten thousand dollar MRI using the fancy machine. He he just did not care what she thought. He just this is one of those things where all right, this is a rare case. I'm gonna I can't remember the name of this book, Ryer, that I read. But in short, this feature, it takes place in the 40s, around World War II, and this does relate. There's, this is not a tangent. There's four perspectives. I believe the book is by Ruta Sepetus. I, I got to get the – I'll have the name for episode six. There's four characters, four perspectives, yada, yada. They're all trying to get on a boat, trying to get out. It's a really bad place, really bad times. Everything's dangerous. Their lives are at stake. And there's this one character, every single time he's mentioned – He's talking about this girl, and it seems, oh, he's at war. He think, uh, he's away from her. Maybe they have a great relationship. I'm just going to spoil it because it's, it's important to Go know. Go for it. Go for it, Zach. Talking about this girl like she's this special thing that he was at an affair, that he loved. He, the kid is 18, I believe, by the way. Loves yeah. her, wants to be with her, can't wait to get home to her. It turns I'm on out. The edge of my seat. I'm on the edge of my seat right now. Let's she, go. Let's hear it. She lives. She. He's never even talked to her. He. Oh. He's never met her. He's. 
he acts like he's this super captain and this noble gentleman. He's just like, he has like mop duty on the boat that gets everyone free. He's never met her. And he's, this is what I think Chris is with Leslie. He's like, oh, we're already established. We're cool. Let me just bring her to my practice and show her how great I am. I'm going to see inside. And then, unlike the book, Briar, he doesn't like what he sees at all. Oh, you're not that healthy. You could have this. You could have that. Oh, and Leslie's like, yeah, this is going to work out. Oh, uh, I need you to pay me for this MRI. <laughs> it's oh, no, the way he goes, is that a tumor? And she freaks out and she goes, oh, no, just a smudge. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I, he's, I have a little bit diff, different perspective because I think the whole time, like right from the get-go, he was like, ah, this is not working out. And then his last ditch was, like you said, like, to look at her on an MRI and maybe that would save it. But yeah, he, it obviously didn't work out and definitely for the better. Uh, he's a very bad person. <laughs> yeah. This was his only appearance on the show. He was Matt. Well, Arnett was married to Amy Poehler for 13 years. Shout out Bojack Horseman. I don't know which character of his was the worst person in the law, in the scheme of things, Bojack or Chris, probably Bojack. Definitely Chris. No Bojack Ryer? I've seen a good portion of Bojack. Okay, okay that's fi- okay. Crit- wow. Yeah, imagine. It is a- I've okay. seen so my quick tangent about Bojack Horseman. Yep. I love the show for a while. I watched probably five or six seasons, but okay. it's a it's depressing, man. I had to like give myself a break because it's a good show, but it you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it can put you in a certain mindset thinking about life and all this different stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a sad show while also being hilarious and very well written for what it is because it looks pretty dumb on the surface. Yeah. You, but it's, it's a really good show. Many note on how I even stumbled on that sometimes. show. Right. I, I well, Basically, last summer, I was basically doing every show that had one season, sign me up because I'm not trying to – like now I'm watching two shows that are both four season – one show is seven, one is four. I don't even know how I'm going to get through this. Anyway, a uh, friend recommended BoJack to me. And I'm just thinking, oh, I started, I tried one episode of Archer. I thought it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Notice oh, my that. God, Zach. We might have to break this podcast up. <laughs> hey, that's just me. The episode went slow to me. We all have different tastes, you know, like the way I see basketball, you see hockey. The way I see The Office, Parks <laughs> and Rec. You know, there's, there's. Yeah, I'm just giving you a hard time. Oh, no, of course. I mean, if we break it off because we have creative differences, then <laughs> we'll have a rivalry. And you know, I got to just quickly mention Camp Laszlo on this weird tangent. They were at hot dog night, and one of them was the mustard guy, one of them was the bun guy, and one of them was the hot dog guy. And they all thought they were better than the other, and they all had. A, hot dog night and one of them had bun night one of them had mustard night and clearly it didn't work out so i think if we did split from this i think we'll see that i'm as good as the bun and you're just as good as the mustard and we make a good team (laughs) if we we did that maybe a publicity stunt down down the road you know yeah i agree and we'll get detlef shrimp to try and settle our differences yeah there we go we're all over but anyways, back to your point. Back to my point on BoJack. I thought this was going to be a silly show. The reason I just – I just thought Archer went a little slow. Some shows you just watch at the wrong time and it doesn't work out and you never go back to them. BoJack, yeah. to me, started off as hilarious. 
I was, I was making pasta at like one o'clock in the afternoon. I was trying to find where the butter and the cheese were in the refrigerator as Bojack played. Great pasta, by the way. Great first episode, I will say. You know, you just, what a combo. What a combo. It's a great combo. My growing up with pasta with butter. Forget it. I don't I don't get this broccoli out of here, man. Um, but keeping it more more relevant to the thing before we get completely lost in this. Uh, Bojack started off great. You had Todd Chavez on the couch. You find out how he gets on the couch. Show is great. Takes on a lot of different angles. And I, it starts off as silly. And I've read as soon as I finished when they made the new episodes in January of the final season, the second part of it, you learn a lot about what their intentions were and why it happened as it did. Very depressing finish. Second or third to last episode. Holy crud. There's a season with his mom. Oh my, we're not going to, this isn't the Bojack podcast. I wish I yeah. That's the next podcast, but it's a lot to take in. And you look at Will Arnett, and I just mean, I didn't, this wasn't supposed to turn into a Will Arnett appreciation because I despised him as Chris, but he's the voice of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. He's, he's, he's Job on Arrested Development. He played a great crappy boyfriend on Hot Rod with Isla Fisher. He's Bojack. He's terrible on Parks and Rec. He shows up in the office at the end of season seven. I mean, and then he hosted Lego Masters on Hulu. I mean, I guess Will Arnett. He's a monster. He's, he's, he's a big. beast. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is the, 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 my joke to you on Twitter yesterday, most horses like peanut butter. Bojack, I guess that's a joke of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a good one. You got me there. <laughs> But all right, so yeah, moral of the story, don't date your spouse. I assume on a show, I think Amy Poehler probably made an appearance on that show at some point. I don't know as who. It's harder to understand who plays what voice because there's seven or eight voice actors that all sound the same, and when you're not seeing their face, just hearing their voice, you wonder who it is. Um, yeah, so any closing thoughts on this tangent? I don't even know what we, how this was supposed to start or end. But before we get into Duke Silver, do you have anything else to add on Will Arnett or his appearance on Parks and Rec, Ryan? I do not. I think I've covered it. He's a fantastic actor, a monster in the industry, and an actual monster when he portrays that character. Yep. And Lack, does his voice make you want to buy Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? <laughs> I, I don't need a voice to want to buy Reese's peanut butter cups. Get a couple of those. I'm not a big sweet guy, but uh, grab a couple of those, throw them in the fridge for a couple hours, and you're good to go. Oh, wait, so fridge or freezer? For it, well, if you're trying to eat it quick, you can put it in the freezer, but you just want them cold, not frozen. Well, put them, you can do frozen too, you know, put them in some ice cream. Also, um, the s'mores, Reese's oh. on the s'mores. That was, that was my uh, biggest. I wasn't a s'mores guy until I did that. So okay, shout out to shout out to Will Arnett and Reese's for making Ryer a believer in the s'more. <laughs> All right, our final to topic. Not too much to touch on here, and at time you probably only see this nine or ten times. Normally, you see a guy that's very reserved and has a bushy mustache and doesn't tell the government anything and has a weird relationship history with every woman he's ever been with. Chances are, Ryer, he's probably secretly a jazz musician. Yep. And in case you're curious where I'm at in my rewatch, I'm actually at the around the episode. I can't I can't remember if I just ended on this episode or watched a couple past, but the one where Andy is trying to record the campaign song for Leslie 
and it's you know it's going fine not the best and then you know duke silver uh takes over the studio for for a little bit and comes back with a banger <laughs> he made april throw away all the or take down all the posters and everything in the studio but duke silver great great wrinkle into the show like you said it it happens every once in a while and the thing i love about it is other than the app actual episode that's you know based around it it comes up very subtly especially like they'll make the little the little jabs like oh yeah i know this this guy who does jazz across town i i hear he makes all the like old ladies swoon or something like that <laughs> so great great dynamic for ron and uh yeah just a great part of the show one of my favorites honestly duke silver great name unbelievable name unbelievable name and anytime you can work the word lightning thunder or whether it's gold silver platinum any of those in your nickname is usually on point and, and duke I'm, is just such a jazz name too duke yeah you got duke ellington the great one of the only jazz musicians i've actually listened to several songs of i mean my favorite jazz song comes in the form of a song from the non-animated live-action Scooby-Doo movies, Man with the Hex, by the, uh, the Voodoo Dolls, something like that. Oh, I'm just going to check this out. Pussycat Dolls. Pussycat no, dolls. it was not them, actually. I thought it was. No, let's see, man. Talking about the one with the witches? Yes, Man with the Hex, lyrics, Scooby-Doo. It, it, oh, the, the Atomic Fireballs. You remind me of a man, a man with the power, what power? That is it, and it's a jazz song. It's Oh, okay. Hocus Pocus Alkazam, save us from that evil man. I mean, they're not talking about Duke Silver, though. That That is an absolute fact. Duke Silver. Yeah, I, I, I can picture this. and I've seen the episode. He literally does make the old lady swoon. And then when Ron eventually settles down with somebody, and not a spoiler, I mean, you expect every character comes around at some point. Ron does settle down with somebody. She finds out who he really is. Ron was so secretive for the duration of the show. And in that, when he took down the posters, Andy heard the new campaign song. And you know what the best part of that part was, Ryer? Obviously, Ron maintains a huge level of anonymity as Duke Silver. Andy had no idea that the song was touched up. He's just like, oh, this sounded so much better than it did before. Yeah, classic Andy right there. Uh <laughs> That's, I feel like that's something like a Leslie move too. Like you could do the same thing to her because he was having a Leslie moment where he's just getting overwhelmed and in classic Ron Swanson fashion, he just says, take a time out and I'll take care of it. Basically without saying he's going to take care of it. Yeah, Ron, if Ron Swanson had an exterminator service, it'd almost be like when you get back to the house, you never knew you had a bug problem in the first place. <laughs> for sure he the man moves in silence literally there's a time great, great party guest great party guest great party guess. And fix your whole house uh, i think that actually happened when he went to it was a couple of house parties i think he did that yep. definitely at uh, andy and april's place once uh yep. once their new roommate moves in which you'll see in season three or see, i don't know what season yeah end of season three when they're mm -hmm. eating their dinner off of frisbee's <laughs> but he's just he moves with, with that and it's he what i was saying is that ryan this could be as ron this could be as duke he gets that thing for his desk where it shuts all the windows closes the door 
never even has to get out of his seat or move his chair because he just has a he could swivel around the whole room. Mm-hmm. And he's just something. But is Duke Silver? I mean, do you have a favorite moment of Duke Silver? Because personally, I don't say I think I have one. I just think every time he comes on, the fact that he looks identical to Ron, obviously the hat and the, the outfit. But I'm shocked that no one ever figured it out. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those, uh, you know, little bits they have going on. But I can't really pick a favorite one because, like I said, they're they're all great. When he comes out, when they uh, call him out at the uh, – I believe it's at the Unity concert, Mousetrap does. Or it actually might be at the Harvest Festival. I'm not sure. But, yeah, pulls out Duke Silver. He puts on a great show there. This This episode we were just talking about, that's probably one of my favorites too. So, all good from him. All good. Uh, it, I believe it was the Unity concert where he wasn't going to, and obviously he does because anything that Ron Swanson says, he usually means the opposite, unless he's talking about me. <laughs> it's very true. Very good point there. And if I lived in Pawnee, I'd be regret. I'd regret the fact that I never asked Ron to open up his own his own place because I guess actually if Ron had his own place, he'd probably he would buy 30 cent meat and sell it for about $20. No, he, I don't think he'd even make, I think he'd go broke actually because oh, yeah. he wouldn't try and make money. He just wants to give the people the meat and say goodbye to the vegetables and the banana. Like he, he tried to eat a banana. He had to smush it onto a double bacon cheeseburger just to stomach it. Uh, yeah, he does. He, uh, not a fan of vegetables at all. No, he's not a fruit guy. He's not a vegetable guy. So if Ron Swanson was a farmer, there is no question in my mind that he would farm meat somehow. Meat. Maybe grow tobacco. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely not vegetables, though. No. I mean, indigo, maybe. What was that? You said a little indigo, maybe. <laughs> you see that? That's that main agricultural knowledge coming in there. Wow, Farmer Rye are out here living on the ranch <laughs> in this pandemic. Uh, yeah, right. I would never – I would die in the woods. So old <laughs> Farmer Smith will not be gracing us with his presence for, for the next episode? I don't think so. All right. And that nickname has officially died the very moment it was uttered. No more old Farmer Smith. He is just Rye, folks. <laughs> but, all right. Any closing notes on Parks and Rec? Or this will likely be our final Parks and Rec episode of season one. We go back to the office for episode six, then take a little break and come back for season two. Yeah, no, I think it's been good. I think we've covered some good topics so far, and uh, there's plenty more. I think I've learned from the last episode we did with the office that, similar to both shows, they have those um, key episodes like the telethon you know, the uh, trial of Leslie Nope, like the ones you know the names of. So um, we've covered a piece of those and there's still so many more to go over. So we've mentioned a few of them along the way, Unity Concert, things like that. But uh, yeah, it's been fun talking about it so far. So we'll, we'll keep it rolling. And uh, one last point, I have a, I have a one season Netflix recommendation for you if if you find the time between your two other shows. What do we got? What is the title of this show? I just randomly needed a show the other night that was new and I don't know. Watch the trailers like sure this is fine. 
new Netflix show, Teenage Bounty Hunters. I think it's literally just called Teenage Bounty Hunters. Okay. Great show. Great show. Funny about two teenage girls, obviously, who get caught up in the bounty hunting game. And uh, you might like it. It's pretty funny. Do we have any actors from Parks and Rec or The Office uh, gracing us with their presence on this show? We do not. This is all – I don't think I know a single act, actor or actress in this uh, show, actually. <laughs> Never <laughs> any of them. That usually makes it the best show ever because you don't have a bias toward liking or disliking anybody because of a previous relationship as a consumer. But that is good to know. Yeah, currently watching the Avatar sequel, Legend of Korra, and progressing on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. But for Ryer Smith, I am Zach Weiss. Again, shout out Detlef Schrempf. The goal is to get Detlef to listen and for Detlef to reply to the tweet that's going to come in a couple hours on the show. Detlef has responded to three of my tweets before in the past. So I'm hopeful that maybe, just maybe, oh. even, even though it's not basketball-related, Ryer, Mr. Schrempf could see it in his heart to pass a like along or maybe a quote tweet. That would be incredible. Let's, let's get it. Let's get it. Shout out Detlef Shrimp. Shout out Ryer Smith. Shout out State of Maine. Shout out to everyone that listens. That'll do it for this edition. We will see you next time.